Mate, Will Perry, we're live around the world. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, mate. You've uh, you've blown up in the last few days. What's going on in your life? <laughs> Unfortunately, I've blown up for the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a campaign. It's uh, creating awareness. I've, I'm on a mission to eradicate abuse for people with dwarfism, not just in the UK but everywhere. I've got such a big task on my hands but it's things like this um it's the media is really helping it's a fantastic time though at the moment i've gotten around everywhere i hope change is starting to occur but yeah it's it's been an absolute whirlwind i've never been so busy in my entire life normally i'm a full-time swimmer so i have the entire day free like mm. I'm twiddling my fingers, but at the moment I haven't got a spare two minutes. It's unbelievable. We just talked about this. You're famous now, so you got to get you know headphones. You got to get a microphone, all that sort of stuff. I, I apologize. I'm I need to, I've cheaped out on my basically <laughs> have a studio and everything, but no, I'm using my laptop. It's got a microphone and it's got a camera somewhere there. Ah, uh, mate, you're perfect. Now, listen, <laughs> bef before we get into that, the the that stuff, you know, I do want I do want to talk about it because that's the, the cause that you're champion right now, and, and I'm and you know I'm glad we could give you a little bit of a platform, small as it is, but um, but listen, mate, we're a swimming channel, and you're a swimmer, so talk to us about um, your swimming skills. I mean, you're a Paralympian, uh, but be before that, you know, you started off just like everybody else. How'd you get into swimming? So I started off, and it, it all relates into dwarfism. Um, with my certain condition, which I'm sure we'll get into later, you get a weakened spine, so I can't play rugby, football, or any of contact sports that we conventionally played at school. Right. So I'd end up twiddling my fingers um, around each day, you know, not doing much. Mm. And the head of sport at my school um, actually said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of you just wandering around doing bugger all. So can you go to the pool on a Thursday afternoon. So I was like, all right, okay, just give it a little go. I know how to swim. How old were you at this stage? I was 15. So 15, oh, okay. I was pretty, pretty young, a pretty late swimmer. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was 15. And I go in the pool, did a couple of lengths, and the coach at that point got me out. He said, well, you know what? I'm going to work with you. I'm going to get you to nationals next year, which mm. was when next year was in the next calendar year. So less than a year away in terms of the season. And he did it. Who's the name of the uh, coach? Someone called Stuart Cowie. Stuart, uh, oh, good for you, mate. Look, look at that, eh? Starting a career. So, yeah, he, he, he's now at Corby, I think. But um, it's great. I've managed to keep in touch with him. He's a lovely guy. Great. Um, so, yeah. And then it went from there, really. Um, I trialed out at a swimming school called Mount Kelly for uh, a year. But I wasn't that academic. So I ended up leaving. Um, just to focus on the swimming and I joined the legend that is Northampton Swimming Club. Um, we're very well known in the para swimming world. We had four on the Paralympic team to Tokyo this year. Um, and yeah, it's all kicked off from there. But in terms of going to the Paralympics, it all starts off this year. We're in lockdown. Um, it was what, February, March and I got a call. I was, you know, sitting at home doing the Zoom sessions like everyone else does. They said, Well, we might need you to come back to the pool like next week. Mm. Um, we might need you for a relay. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I came back and they said, Right, you've got three weeks to train for the Paralympic trials and you've got to swim a 53 PB. Bear in mind, I hadn't PB'd in about two years. Mm. And um uh I did it. 
in three weeks training we had one week getting back in the pool one week of hard training one week of taper and i managed to do a 53 pb uh, and they said right okay we're going to take you to europeans to get internationally classified so, so that's what you have to do in paris when you have to get an in international classification mm. um so recognized by world paris women and they took me to europeans i made two finals um on my international debut and then two days after we got back from europeans i got the call saying um i was going to tokyo Wow. Um, on, on the relay team so yeah there he goes it was wow. a very very quick from mm. national swim to paralympian within a few months it was unbelievable wow that, that that's extraordinary mate how old are you now i'm 21 21 okay so only 26 years oh wow that's incredible hey how, how, talk to me about your training then what does that consist of now you know um you know as a professional swimmer we have a tr gruesome training routine. Um, I'm sore as it is now, mm -hmm. uh, and we're only on Wednesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have eight. I do eight sessions a week in the pool, wow. uh, two to two and a half hours long. Then I Damn. do um, three two-hour gym sessions a week as well, and then physio and recovery. So everything added up is about 24 hours in a week. Wow. Um, where some of them involve early mornings. So tomorrow morning I'm up at 3.50 a.m. 3.50? Uh, what for? What are you doing? I've got, well, we, we don't have a long course pool. So we the nearest one is 40 minutes away. And to get some long course meters in, you have to drive about 40 minutes to pool. Um, so we have to be awake and everything. So it is a 3.50 wake up. Tuesday's not so bad. It's only 4 a.m. Wake up to in, be in at 5.00. Uh, because I live by myself, I have to drive. I have to be awake when I'm driving, obviously. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's a very gruesome regime, but it's very, very successful. Who's your coach now? My coach is Andy Sharp. Um, he took over my coaching role in September. So Andy Sharp coached Ellie Robinson to Paralympic gold and bronze in Rio. Right. Um, and he's also assisted with everyone coming in into tokyo this last year but before that for three years i had jackie marshall who now works in british swimming and she is the one really responsible for getting all of us to tokyo this year and performing the way we did in which you know seven like world records gold medals finals that sort of thing um so jackie and andy really do you train with um only other paralympians or do you train in a, in a mixed team uh, we train in a normal squad. So Northampton, I'm the oldest now. Uh, we've just, you know, each year when you get uni moving around, people move out, go to uni, that sort of thing. So up until recently, you know, Ed Mildred, who is an ISL swimmer, was mm -hmm. a Northampton swimmer, born and bred Northampton. Um, yeah, so we are currently in our squad. There's four para swimmers and there's... 16 normal swimmers so we have to fit in around them our sets are adapted um timings adapted etc um but we're very very inclusive in terms of you know how the club operates mm. um who's you know how we fit the para swimmers around how we get the able body lot in um so i think as a, a swimming club we're the most successful in the country as in a para swimming program uh and we're pretty pretty decent as well in the normal swimming program we're very um medley based so two 400 medley that's we base mm -hmm. a lot of training around that so we can be pretty flexible in the events that we compete in 
Wow. So that sounds like so much work. 24 hours of training every week. That's intense, mate. It must be difficult then to kind of hold down any jobs or even go to uni full time, things like that. So you are you funded uh, by British Swimming? I'm funded. Yeah, I'm very privileged to be funded by uh, British Swimming. And it's through the National Lottery. Um, it's the National Lottery, sorry, that funds us. Right. So any opportunity, I say thank you. So thank you, National Lottery, uh, for funding me and everyone else on the team. So, yeah, I'm in a privileged place where I can relax during the day. I can, uh, well, at the moment, <laughs> work on this campaign on my <clears throat> awareness. But there are some swimmers, so Maisie Summers-Newton, she's doing as much as work as I am, but she's training to be a primary school teacher. I couldn't do that. Mm. You know, she's at uni, she's doing assignments, she's doing... Um, a great job. I couldn't do that. I have to. I have to come back and have a nap. Uh, we'll play a bit of Xbox or just unwind during the day, and then we yeah. go back to the pool and blast up and down the pool again for two and a half hours. Yeah, well, that's intense. So the goal, I guess, is Paris twenty four. Yeah, naturally. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this for. Um, I would love to make a final, an individual final. It's a very, in para swimming, you can have very easy categories to compete in. You can have very difficult ones. Yeah, tell yes. me about the category that, that you're in. Like, how, how did you get put in there? What What is it? So I'm an S6, um, which is about just under halfway down. It goes from 14, which is the least severe, to one, which is a pretty severe disability. Um, we, you know, there's most conditions go, there's some that's still excluded, but I'm not going to go into the politics and that because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> um, okay. as well as you know, why some categories are more difficult than the others. Mine is mm. just a more tricky category to compete in, but there's so many, and it's a uh, yeah, it's obviously got men and women as well, so there's lots of different races that you can see. And sometimes when you're watching para swimming and racing, someone who touches the wall first might actually come last because we're all measured on points. Mm. We very, very rarely have a full heat of let's say S six men or S 12 women. It's very, very rare that occurs. So often we mm. race each other. Um, well, it's not really racing. A lot of the time it's just like swimming against ourselves because some people will shoot right off. Some people will drop right behind, but they'll right. still beat you. They might even get a world record. Mm. Uh, you could be 30 seconds quicker than them so but yeah naturally the, the aim is paris like this year um, i would love to qualify for the commonwealth games and the world championships mm. uh the qualifying window is coming up soon so we're trying working really really hard for that um but you know i can only keep my fingers crossed and race as hard as i can otherwise you know i won't make it it's simple as that but i have faith in the work that we're doing and fingers crossed um, I can qualify. It'll be my first time qualifying because I'm still in the aspect of it. I'm still quite young in terms of being an international athlete. I'm new to international swimming still. So I'm still learning. Do you look at yourself as having a disability? Do you look at yourself as like there's things I can't do? Or in your mind, are you open to the idea of I can do whatever I want to do? So I never knock things until I try it. Um, what what we're going to talk about later in terms of my disability and right. you know, the awareness I'm raising. Sometimes it makes me question myself. I'm thinking actually, you know, if this is how some of the public are viewing me, mm -hmm. how should I view myself? Mm -hmm. But I've been brought up in a way where, you know, um, nothing really holds me back. Uh, you know, nothing, 
obviously things like light switches they were lowered in a way that i could reach them still they weren't lowered to my height but i could reach them like up there i can still operate them but i would always try it i remember at school i used to do cross country i didn't have to do it but i did it to prove a point mm. um, you know, cross country runs everyone would do everything to get out of it you know fake an injury say they're ill or something like that i used to rock up and just do it for the hell of it just to prove i could do things mm. That That's interesting. So, so your mentality has always been kind of like that of like, how is it based for you? Is it, is it like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove something to myself. I want to, um, you know, I want to show my family and friends, like where's the mentality for you? See, I know I can do it or I know I can't do it. It's simple as that. Right. Um, you know, it's stuff down to touch typing of short fingers. I had to, you know, touch typing learning it is difficult anyway. I couldn't do it because my fingers can't reach that far. So I had I had to learn by just having my hands hovering above the keyboard, stuff like that. I knew I could do it. I was told I couldn't, but I can. Um, stuff like, you know, I was told I couldn't complete the cross country. I beat half the school. Um, I beat <laughs> what? Yeah. The school it was like 800 people there and I beat about 500, I think. That's awesome. Um, what else? You know, riding a bike. Um, all getting certain types of jobs, obviously doing this in swimming. I'm, you know, put down so many times or what I can do. And it's my favorite thing, proving them and actually doing it pretty damn well. That's my favorite thing. But no, I never hold myself back unless I know, okay, that's an utterly stupid thing to do. Um, obviously, that's not going to work. You know, it's common sense sometimes. But if it's not, if it's, you know, if there's a, a small chance I can do something, I will try. And, you know, if I fail, who cares? But if I do it, then ooh, there you go. What's something that you've been proud of yourself other than the cross country thing? I mean, you, you know, when you kind of pat yourself on the back of like, Hey, you proved everybody wrong there. Like what, what's something you feel real proud about? Um, cross country. I found, felt real proud yeah. about, um, told being told I wasn't going to make it in swimming. Right. You know, many people said, Oh, you know, he's, this is just a, uh, pastime it's just a hobby right. you know um, that sort of thing I didn't have a particularly fun time at school um, I won't mention the name of it but I didn't have the best time there um, I didn't I know I got bullied I got you know didn't have many friends and a lot of them would say oh yeah you know you, you're not as good as you say you are or something like that and at that point I wasn't very good and now you know I'm bigger than any of these people you know I've I see them, they're following me. They're watching what I'm doing. Yep, yep. I don't give two stuffs about them. Yep. Um, the people who push me down, that is. I give, you know, I, I love everyone who you know, takes an interest in my career, but not the people who bullied me. Um, and it's so, makes me so happy, you know, thinking I proved them wrong. I have become someone. I've become someone of interest. Uh, and it's all my work. You know, it's everything I did because I wanted to stick with swimming. I dropped out of school to stick with swimming. And I think that sort of thing, just proving everyone wrong, it makes me feel so happy. Well, listen, you don't have to have a disability necessarily to to think like that or go through that. You know, that, that, that's kind of like, that could be the cry for anybody in life, but you've obviously suffered, um, you know, through, like you said, um, people picking on you throughout your life, which has then helped you um, focus in on being the best athlete you can be. And, and congrats on that, mate. But um, talk to me about, Tokyo then tell, tell me about that experience Tokyo is just a celebration of you know differences yep. there's actually been no place where I felt more you know able-bodied yep. you know, I've got 
two hands. I've got two feet. I can speak. I can see. I can hear. I feel, I feel more able-bodied than I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel so lucky. Um, but, wow, what a fantastic experience. I've never competed internationally where there's been crowds, so I'm used to it. You know, it's not really, you know, it, unless you win a medal there, then I think that's when it de- deducts from the experience. You know, the tr- the, the cheering, yeah. you know, you've got your family there if you win a medal. But if, if you come last, <laughs> it doesn't make two differences. It's just still an amazing experience. Yeah. Wandering around the village, you know, seeing... Um, I remember, I think I spotted this world's second tallest man um, who's on the Iranian team who plays sitting volleyball. I saw, you know, oh, I recognise him, I recognise her. Oh, wow, that, you know, she's there, that's unbelievable. Um, the other cool one was, like, obviously you're sitting, watching the Olympics at home, yeah. and then you're thinking in three weeks, four weeks' time, I'm going to be there right where they are. Mm. That's a mind-blowing thing. And mm. to be competing on the biggest sporting stage in the world, you know, it's nothing short of an honour, really. Yeah. You know, being representing Great Britain, having Great Britain on your T-shirt, on mm-hmm. you know the flag on your back, mm-hmm. on your hat, your race suit, that sort of thing. Like, there's no bigger honour, and it's an honour for everyone, whether you're the most famous person in the world or a nobody. It's a huge honour. Um, it's just an experience I could never put into words. It's just it makes me sad every time I think about it because I would pay everything just to relive it again it's such a fantastic time it's a high isn't it yeah it's a high i represented brazil at a at a at an olympics and um really at two olympics actually and so um, yeah i'm not even brazilian but i'm proud to wear this you know I'm, I'm australian so that's my flag back there i was in 2000 olympics but um you know i went to a couple olympics representing a couple of different countries and mate it is a proud moment for for all athletes so you know i i can definitely connect with what you're saying there that's awesome yeah um what about in terms of your improvement you know you talk about the personal improvement and and the time matters for you in terms of where you place and stuff so how do you make improvements how do you judge that so i use lockdown firstly as a reevaluation. i completely reevaluated myself as an athlete mm-hmm. uh, down to my strength and conditioning to my recovery to how um, i approach my training in the pool everything changed and it made a huge difference. I, you know, obviously I sometimes slip up. I can sometimes have a bad diet, which I've corrected. I like paying attention to detail. You know, what these small little things will make a difference. Um, you know, I, I paid a, watching other sports as well. My One of my sporting heroes was Edson Senna. And mm. he was famed for having that attention to detail. And that's why everyone else said he was so successful. And I thought if I have a mindset like that, really pay attention to the bits that other people aren't paying attention to, like my rivals, then that's another way I can get, you know, 1.1 of a second off my time or whatever. So I'm still learning and I'm always learning. Everyone's always learning. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely paying attention to details is the way I improve the really small things. And I really pay to try to take notes on what happened in racing. Sometimes I, I can overthink it, but um, yeah, the attention to detail for me is the key thing. Great advice, mate. And uh, you just mentioned overthinking there. Like, what is that for you? Do you, do you get nervous before you race like everybody else? I guess. I don't get nervous. No, but I overthink, you know, what do you mean by that? What are you, what are you thinking? 
like what if i it's not like oh my god i'm so scared or something like that i'm thinking what if you know what if i slip the water what if i accidentally do a one-handed touch what if i jump the gun it's stuff like that and it never happens so you're thinking negative things a lot yes like um, thinking everything negative and it's all like you know flashing it out but it's not a good thing i'm trying to have you had a uh, chance to work with a sports psychologist or anything yeah. like that yep. it's it's i've definitely improved um yep. as you said every issue i want to fix and it's something i've definitely wanted to fix and it's really helped yeah um it's definitely been solved but no I, the only time i was nervous at the paralympics was just before the first race in between when i got on the blocks then i was a bit nervous and it said take your marks and then it was like it just sounded so familiar i thought oh yeah i'm fine it's like mm. racing back in corby it's right. you know it's very familiar um yeah i'm not worried yeah well, good for you, mate. It sounds like you're on a, a great path, a great track. Um, you're making something of your life, which is outstanding. I mean, you've already made it in, in terms of being a Paralympian, but uh, wouldn't it be special to be a two-time Paralympian and maybe a finalist and all that? But listen, you're doing fantastic work. But um, coming back to this cause that you're talking about, I do want to give you a chance to talk about it because obviously you're you're championing this thing of, of going out there and speaking publicly and being open and honest about your your own experiences and feelings so i want to give you a platform here to kind of talk about it mate so what, what's going on oh i really appreciate it every platform helps so with dwarfism you can be subjected to a lot of public abuse we're depicted in movies like wolf of wall street elf that sort of thing um as mystical or comical characters you know we're taking the piss out of we use as objects and i think because we're not that common my condition is only one in twenty five thousand births i think that's where most of the public gets exposure um of people like myself so that's mm. the way oh wow then they see someone like us think oh wow people like them actually exist they must be absolutely hilarious let's go make a funny comment but they always think they're so smart ass when they say something funny. They think, oh, yeah, they're original. We've not heard it before. Mm. I've heard it my entire life. Mm. And up until recently, I've taken it on the shoulder thinking, oh, you know, I was brought up to just ignore it. You know, it's it's unjustified, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Just ignore it. And until recently where I made a post on Instagram, which went a bit viral, Um the swimming community really came together they you know they shared this and it just went to new heights it's unbelievable um but i'm sick to death of it um as i said on the bbc news and sky and all that sort mm. of thing it's time to stop and i feel like as a paralympian i'm one of the very few people with disabilities that actually has a platform to speak a platform to reach out and help other people who don't have a platform like i do yeah. You know, we're used as role models. Look at Ellie Simmons. You know, she's the, one of the biggest role models in the world for people that have autism. Mm. And I want to be an advocate for it too. I'd love to be remembered if, because, you know, if I'm not going to win a medal, the next best thing is being remembered as an advocate for your disability. Right. So, you know, oh, look, at remember Will. He really fought for everyone to be treated equally as you know people with dwarfism for them not to be laughed at anymore and he tried really hard and he got other people on board that's my aim is to get as many people on board with this to get as much exposure as possible yeah. um it's done phenomenally well at the moment but i want to do even more i want to go push it as far as i possibly can without being annoying mm -hmm. um I, I want to create a campaign 
Um, I'm hoping to go on more news stations. I'm hoping to get fellow Paralympians together so we can really get behind this and let the nation hear what we're trying to say and hopefully even the world. So I've had messages from parents across the planet um, talking about their kids with dwarfism. They're terrified, genuinely terrified, like, oh, I'm really worried about how my son or my daughter is going to be treated at like in later life when she's about 10 or 12. And at the moment, I can only say I, I can only apologize. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it's so reassuring to say, look, I know it's going to happen, but I'm fighting for it not to happen. I'm really, really campaigning for it. Yeah. So every little bit of exposure, that's why I'm saying yes to every podcast at the moment. I'm saying yes to every news um, request. Yeah. Um, every politician talking to me. I, you know, trying to encourage others as well to share their story because the more it shocks people, the more we can do something about it. But it's a huge, huge thing. I get photographed. I've been filmed. I've been laughed at, stared at, pointed at. It, the list goes on you can have unique um we can have you know unique uh, incidents where i could be shouted at called derogatory names the list is endless and you know i'm just sick to death well listen mate uh bottom line is there's a bunch of ignorant assholes in the world there's no doubt about that yeah but, um you know you're you're a paralympian you've done some amazing things there but in terms of like this i think this is like you said this this could be your proudest cause in terms of um, you know, representing people like you, like you said, and and trying to change the stigma of what of what people think about you and how they look at you and and how they receive you and and um, may just listen to your story, just a normal dude, you know, like you do, like everybody else, you work hard, yeah, you, you know, you're successful. It's like God, Jim, and like you're impressive, very impressive. So thank you. Um, I love it, mate. Um, how do your parents feel about this? I mean, obviously, um, you know, you've had this experience growing up and they've had their own separate experience. Do they talk to you about some of the things that they've had to deal with? So my parents don't have dwarfism. Most is 80% of my uh, parents, 80% uh, of people with dwarfism don't have parents with dwarfism. Right. But obviously they've had experiences when they're wandering around. Yep. They've Before I've been able to realize, yep. you know, they've had people laughing, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, they're just really pleased that I can make a difference. Like, obviously, I wouldn't call my dwarfism a blessing. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, some people say that if they would, you know, that's how God chose them. Unfortunately, mm. I'm not religious. So I don't fall under under that. Um, but, uh, you know, they're just, they're just encouraging me as, to do as much as I possibly can. It, you know, there's only mm. so much obviously one can do. But obviously, as you get more and more people in, then hopefully it becomes a bigger program. It's not just me. Um, I'm not saying it's just me at the moment, but uh, to create a campaign where you know we've got people like me speaking out all across the country, but hopefully even the, even the world. Um, I'm just pushing the snowball at the moment, but I hope other people will help and it will start to build up. But yeah, they're super proud. I hope. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they are, mate. Of course they are. Um, other than the swimming, uh, wh where do you want to go in your life? Like, what do you want to do? Do you see a future for yourself? Are you aiming towards something other than swimming? Yeah. So I love motorsport. I love cars. Wow. I'm a massive petrol head. And I used to work in Formula One until wow. um, until COVID came along and I lost my job, uh, you know, out of financial caution. Yeah. Um, and but I've stayed in very good, good contact with them. You know, they've they ended up having a really good financial year. 
um, and they've offered me sponsorship at competitions. We get on very well. So once I finish swimming, I'm definitely going back to motorsport. I live very near Silverstone, which is the home of British motorsport, possibly even European. Um, so that's my life. I want to be, I'd love to be a mechanic, a race car mechanic, or wow. I used to make parts out of carbon fiber wow. for certain teams. I can't say which teams, so I signed an NDA, but um, they're, more, they're prominent teams in F1. Um, it's just my life outside of swimming. I absolutely adore it. It's all I do outside of swimming. Well, good for you, mate. Have you had a chance to meet Lewis Hamilton? I've met Lewis Hamilton. No, I've not met any drivers yet because I worked in a, uh, a contracting company. So we supplied parts to the car, the company, the, you know, providers, certain drivers with a car. Um, I've not even been to an F1 race yet because I don't have the money to. They're so really? expensive. Oh, They're wow. really expensive. They're seven, eight hundred quid if you want to go. Um, which I Mate, I used to live in Melbourne, and um, I was I was about you know three blocks from the track where my house was. Yeah. And and they used to just drive around the track, and, I, and it felt like the Formula One drivers were driving through my living room, like it was so close. <laughs> Very loud. I mean it. I mean it's it's a great sport, man. It's it's epic. Oh, it's fantastic, it. and it's yeah. you know it's a sport also where they're pushing the limits. I yeah. like pushing the limits. I like seeing how good you can be, and seeing other people do that, but on a, a multi-million pound level, it's just fascinating to see. And you know you got the pressure. It's so relatable. Obviously, it's a completely different sport. Like, there's nothing that's the same as swimming, but the pressure is there. The expectations right. are there, but the and the performance is there as well. Could so, we ever see? Uh, could we ever see someone with with your disability in Formula One? You think? No, is that a possibility? <laughs> I doubt it. Because um, when you're young, you know, obviously in Formula One, you've got to be karting very, very young, and right. we can't reach the pedals. So unless someone exceptional, now if you think of how many thousands of drivers do um, karting, and it, you know, sort of filters, it's like a pyramid. You know, all the carters, then the Formula Series, and Formula Three, Two, One, etc. You know, even if they get one one person with dwarfism, he's got to be talented enough to be all those thousands. So physically, it's possible, I'd say, but mentally, uh, will it happen? Probably not. You drive though. How do, how do you drive now? So I've got. Uh, I use a car company called Jim Door and Hand Controls, and they give me seat cushions, pedals. Uh, it can all be taken out within a minute or so, so it's fully adjustable. Okay. Um, but I can drive a car as normal as anyone else can. It's um, the biggest blessing I've got um, just to have that freedom. I've got yeah. a strap on the boot that I can pull down. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, good for you, mate. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to be on us uh, live today around the world. Um, this is live right now, but we'll also reproduce this and send it out and people can sure. click on it and watch it again. So your story is amazing, mate. Inspirational. Um, sound like a really good dude, someone I'd want to hang out with. So, um, Will, I appreciate your time today, mate. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real longer. Yep, absolutely. Good luck in Paris too. We'll be cheering for you. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thank <laughs> you. Right. Cheers, mate. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.